Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my co-host, teammate, and Women's Director of Canicut K1, Beth Ann Lampley. Hello, good to be here. Beth Ann, we're talking leadership today. We have been trucking through the Spirit Leader series, and uh, today we're talking about initiative. I'm going to put you on the spot. How would you define initiative? What does that mean? When I think about initiative, I think of you walk into a situation or a room and you're able just to see what needs to happen without anybody else telling you, go and do this. But you just, you see the need and you feel the need or you anticipate someone's need and you just, you just take care of it. Just go for it. Oh, I love that so much. How, here's, this is just a great tip for the young leaders out there. You know, every year during staff training, we have hundreds of college students from all around the country. They're amazing, Jesus-loving people who come, and during staff training, we equip them, we get them ready, and we do a lot of work along the way to get our camps ready. And it does not take very long to find the initiators, the ones that that they don't need to be necessarily told what to do because they can see it. And then they step up and they fill it, and their value skyrockets. Yes. Because you know, when you need something done— you ask an initiator. I'm just envisioning the person to the work day is ended, but you see a hose that's just strung out, you know, all along camp. That's right. And they pause. That wasn't even their workstation. Yes. And they roll up the hose. Whoa. And you're like, Whoa. you're amazing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so we got a big conversation today and sitting in the guest seat, we've got none other than Joe White. <laughs> I appreciate that, Shay. Your introductions are stunning. Joe, how much do you love initiators? Well, Shay, um, as we've talked before on leadership, um, when Jesus calls a woman or calls a man, he calls a person into the battle. He calls a person to step in, as Bethany said, where isn't where there is a need, the leader is called in to meet that need, no matter if it if it calls for uh, dying to self uh, or if it calls for you know. Uh, a courageous act. Like I was just talking to a friend about a young man who who rode off a a, a small cliff into a creek with his uh, with his dirt bike this weekend, and you know, except for the fact that uh, his father was an initiator, he was a leader. He never was afraid to step into the battle and go off. He would have gone off the cliff himself. You know, the young man would have drowned. And, you know, the young man didn't drown and, you know, his father was able to revive him and bring him out of the creek, even though his face was underwater. But 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 it's typical. There's things going on all the time around us. But when Christ calls you, uh, like in Isaiah chapter six, uh, you know, when when God uh, asked Isaiah, you know, who will I send? Who will go out for us? And Isaiah said, send me, I'll go. And I think about Lecrae's great rap song. Uh, hip hop song about that, but that is a calling. Send me, I'll go. That's a calling to every single person who's a Christ follower. It's a calling to every mom. It's a calling to every dad, every husband, every wife. Die to myself. Die to myself at that moment. And if God calls me into a difficult situation, 
as a leader, as an initiator, I, as Beth Ann said, will see that need, and I am willing, I am willing to step into the battlefield. Bullets are flying. I'm willing as a Christ follower to step in and meet that need. Joe, this weekend I was doing a, a speaking at a discipleship retreat down in Alexandria. You did that one a couple of years ago. Some of the finest men at Calvary Baptist Church um, raising up a generation of disciples. And I, I told the story of David and Goliath, and I was re-reminded of the initiative of David. And specifically, you know, as a, he was a shepherd boy, and he was sent by his dad to check on his three oldest brothers at the battle line. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath had come out, the Philistine champion, and taunted the armies of the living God. And they were scared. They were frozen with fear. And one of the things I love about teenagers, I think teenagers get a bad rap a lot of the time, but one of the most amazing assets a teenager has is their audacity. They haven't been ruined by life. And, and David, being a young, audacious man who is full of faith, saw an opportunity to stand up for his God and became a hero as a result. And, and I just love that example. You know, David didn't, he didn't necessarily know the outcome, but he had a pretty good idea because he was full of faith. So good. Another example I think of Joe is Mother Teresa. Here we have this example of single woman, but she sees a need on the streets of Calcutta, India, and she sees um, children who are in need of care. And so she leaves everything behind her family, again, her comforts to go and serve children on the streets in India. She gave her life to children because it mattered and she saw a need. And what I love about Mother Teresa is there was nothing too low for her. There was nothing too dirty, too miserable, and anything above her. But as a humble leader who took initiative, she got low in order to serve others. And again, this continues just to point back to the character of, of Jesus as a leader we're all looking to, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Isn't it neat how role models, when you start talking about Mother Teresa, you start talking about David, just how inspiring it is to me and to others to see somebody like her. You know, one time I was in a conversation with a man named Michael Deaver, so you may not know that name, but he was uh, President Reagan's kind of right-hand guy and Nancy Reagan's best friend. And one time he, he and I were talking in Washington about the president. And I asked him after he'd been in conversation with all, you know, the great leaders of the world. I said, who's the most impressive leader you've ever met, Mike? And he said, Mother Teresa, without a doubt. And I thought he was going to talk about some president of some great nation or something, uh, you know, that was just like a huge, you know, personality. And he said, Mother Teresa. And I said, no doubt. She's your. She's the most impressive leader you've ever met. And he said, no doubt. And I said, why? And he started talking about her courage, Bethann. And he said, one time they were in a conversation, uh, Secretary of State, Mother Teresa, the president, and, and Michael were, were in a uh, conversation. And the Secretary of State looked at Mother Teresa, and he said, Mother Teresa, how many children die on the streets of Calcutta every year? And she said, he looked her, looked him in the eyes with those beady little beautiful blue eyes of hers. And she said, none. I hold them in my arms when they die. 
And then he said she pointed her little skinny finger at the president and she said, and you could do something about it too if you wanted to. Wow. And so (laughs) our ultimate role model and the reason Mother Teresa is like she was and so many we could call out these, these heroic leaders that we all admire, respect, and look up to throughout history. It's just like Jesus. And everything we talk about in the spirit leader, the inspired leader, is because they're full of Jesus. The most initiative, you know, I mean, the greatest role model ever by far. And I was thinking about Jesus last night, how even going into the creation of the cosmos, you know, we know from the anthropic principle that the cosmos was created for life of man on planet Earth. That's a scientific fact that God designed the cosmos perfectly, intricately, so that man could live on planet Earth so that he could be a dad to you, Bethan, to you, Shay, to our producer, Essie. He could be your father. And so even at that point in time before time was, Jesus knew he had a mission to go to the cross of Golgotha. He could see that man, because made in the image of God, would have the choice to follow God or the choice to be prideful and independent. And he knew somehow that in the image of God, he, like the devil, would choose to be independent and would choose to have pride over submission to God's love. At that point, Christ knew he had to step in to the atmosphere of humanity, even Philippians 2 says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And in that capacity, Beth Ann, he had this great gift of leadership no matter what it takes to step in, as he did with the adulteress and so many other places in his brief three-year tenure as a life leader, example on planet Earth, here she is, this little insignificant, little sweet little broken lady who was actually going from bed to bed, caught in the act of adultery, We know the story in John chapter 8. The Pharisees bring her out before Jesus. They've got stones in their hand. The stones are ready to fly. And Jesus steps in between the rocks and the woman. And he's basically saying, if you're going to throw rocks at her, you're going to go through me first, pal. And, And, of course, he made those guys stand down because it was such a smart, strong a uh, spiritual religious leader, they stood down and they dropped their stones on the ground when he said, who among you has never sinned? If you are one of those who's never sinned, you throw the first rock. And of course, they stood down. It's amazing what a great leader he was. So good. I think of another example, Joe, just the beautiful exchange uh, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And, you know, here we had a scene that would have been, you know, maybe taboo in that culture. Um, Number one, that it was a Samaritan and a Jew interacting, but then again, a man and a woman. And, um, you know, what we know about this woman, we don't know her name, but we know that she had 
a past. We know that she was an outcast and that she um, had sin in her life. Yet we see that Jesus took time at the well to initiate a relationship with her, to talk with her, to get to know her. And, and he revealed himself to her, the lowest of the low of what society would have said, um, you know, confirming that he came for all. He didn't come for the high and mighty, for those who were doing all the good things and, and following him, but he came for the sick. He came for the broken, and he initiated with that woman at the well. And then what we see from there is that she then goes and initiates with the people in her town, spreading the message that she had met the Messiah, that he knew everything about her and that he offered her eternal life. And I love that we see because Jesus initiated, he used a messy messenger mm. to carry his message. Mm. And, and his act of initiation carried into her initiating with others and just the ripple effect that that had. Yeah, all women everywhere, uh, you know, need to know your value. And, you know, we know historically, Beth Ann, up until that point in in the way man uh, had pride over women in that day. And, you know, Jesus wanted to break that. You know, there shouldn't be a woman in the world who doesn't follow Jesus because he was really the one in all the history of humanity who, who set the standard that women are to be prized and cherished. You know, the way my daddy would prize my mom, every, writing her love notes almost every single day <laughs> and and taking little yellow stickies and putting them on the kitchen counter when mom would get up and he would have her little coffee pot warmed up for her and he would go down and he would he would light the furnace in her in her little office and have her office warm and cozy for her. You know, that came from Jesus, you know. <laughs> And that's why Shay is men, <laughs> especially us guys who are married to a woman, you know, are supposed to follow his example and take the initiative in our homes with our wives and show them how great they are and how important they are and how awesome they are by the way we serve them and the way we adore them and praise them. You know, sadly, Joe, I think one of the great issues in our home and probably in every other avenue of our life is that busyness is the enemy of those moments of initiative. And, you know, when you look back at your life, the greatest God moments that happened in your life, they weren't on your calendar. They, they happen when you're available and you're ready to act on the Spirit's prompting. I've been mulling over the story of Bartimaeus preparing for a message uh, at church. And, you know, the timing was really interesting. So Jesus, um, you know, Mark records, Mark wrote to the Romans. And so there isn't nearly the amount of like reference to Old Testament texts, but in, in Mark, you see immediacy and you, there's a lot of references to the size of the crowds because the Romans are wondering, who is this guy? And, and so we know that when Jesus was leaving Jericho, there was a mob, like a huge crowd of people that had following him, were following him. He was on his way to Jerusalem, which is where the triumphal entry took place. And we know a week later, he died and rose again. So he's in his final days. He's walking out of Jericho. And this blind man named Bartimaeus hears all the footsteps. And I, I just picture him there sitting in with his pile with a few things he owns, 
you know, begging for alms and he hears all the footsteps. He's, what is going on? And the people say, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he begins screaming, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. And that, that phrase, son of David, that indicates like he knew like this is the Messiah. This is the savior. And the people around him were telling him to be quiet. They were hushing him. And, you know, you think about the urgency that Jesus had on his mission, but he stopped for that man. He said, bring him over here. And, and he took the time to interact with the lowest of the low. And what I realized is that, that Jesus was, he was willing to be interrupted, but he was never distracted from his mission. And, and I think when we have our eyes on, on the cross, that our life is committed to evangelism and discipleship and being a blessing to God, when we're focused in that way, we are interruptible because we're looking for God moments. It's like you wake up every day, say, God, take me on an adventure. What, what's going to happen today? Who do you have? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I be a blessing? Who can I give money to? Who can I give me an opportunity? And those are the moments like you live for. The, that's the, that is the abundant life. And when you lack initiative, you lack life. So it seems obvious that Jesus would be the most I'm third person ever because, you know, our God first, other second, I'm third philosophy of camp, that everybody on our staff learns to go after with everything you've got, put God first in everything and to always prefer the other person over yourself. And then... Uh, <clears throat> And that philosophy came from Jesus himself in Matthew 22 when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God, love others. And so interesting story. Talk about initiative. Everybody loves to watch television. We love to watch the heroes. We love to watch the Steph Currys, the Michael Jordans of the world. But the backstory is always better than the front story. And those who love the game of basketball uh, men and women alike love to watch the underdog, you know, win. And you love to watch the Christ follower step to the top of the pack. You love to watch Oral Roberts University, you know, the, the school who, what in the world are they doing in the Final Four with, you know, people like Kentucky and North Carolina and all these other great schools. But the, 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 the story of the Final Four tournament that we all saw just a few weeks ago was the story of a counselor at Canacuck years ago, Greg Tonegal, who had played for Valpo. And at that time, he had a 28-year-old coach who nobody knew anything about named Scott Drew. And Greg came to camp that summer, and he is a initiator. If I've ever seen an initiator, he soaked up the I'm Third philosophy. He stood at the top of the hill over at K2, and he said, if I ever have my own program, I'm going to do it like this. And he eventually became the head coach of Indiana Wesleyan, a well-known basketball power in Indiana. He won three national championships in five years. But Scott Drew now had the head coaching job at Baylor. And he called Greg in because he'd seen how successful Greg was as an initiator of I'm Third. 
Greg had Amthard painted on the locker room walls. He had it on the players' jerseys. He had it on all the team T-shirts that they wore. I'm third. I'm third. I'm third. God first, other second. Don't take a shot unless it's the most opportune shot on the court. Pass the ball. Pass the ball until you find the best shot on the court. Don't worry about your own stats. Do it for the team. Take it for the team. Like a dad stepping into the home after work, doing it for the team. Whatever the kids need, step in and do it. Whatever the wife needs, step in and take care of it. That's a leader. So, Scott Drew brought Greg into the Baylor program, and he said, how do you do it, Scott? And Greg said, it's got to be Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. Just like Dabo Sweeney out in uh, out at Clemson does it in football, Jesus, others, and yourself. So Scott Drew put it into the Baylor program, and with the uh, initiative of his little point guard named, named Butler, they take it all the way to the national championship, and they beat everybody in the country, undefeated team, by taking the initiative, men and women, taking the initiative to put God first, others second, and I'm third. So good. Joe, as you're sharing stories, I'm, I'm having my own just personal stories just come to mind. And this is one recently. I got a picture texted to me from one of my K-1 staff girls. And she goes to Liberty University, and she had, without any prompting, I didn't ask her to do this, she had already personally reached out to every new Liberty staff girl that was working at K-1, had them in her home, cooked them dinner, and just initiated relationship. And I'm just thinking, those girls are going to have a totally different entrance Mm. into camp as a first-year staff because someone who was older initiated and took the time to say, hey, let me welcome you into the Canica K-1 family. Come sit at my table. Let me feed you and just tell you about all the amazing things you're going to get to experience this summer. Um, And then weeks later, I get another picture. Um, The Liberty team has initiated a prayer and worship night with the entire, you know, crew that's going to be working at camp this summer. And so I was so encouraged and inspired by that of um, just the amazing group that we've got coming up, but just the little the little things that are going to make just a huge difference just in those staff's experience, even this summer. B.A., one of the things that Shay and I admire the most about you, and you know, wasn't, wasn't just a couple of summers ago that you had a tragedy in your life. And, you know, people hear our voices and they think that maybe, you know, you're always on top of things and Shay's always on top of things and I'm on, you know, um, actually we come, all of us come out of the ashes to be whatever leader Christ calls us to be. You know, Shay has come out of the ashes and I've come out of the ashes. And I, I loved and we all loved you that summer when you had a terrible tragedy in your home right before camp started. And the way you stepped in with the initiative to direct that camp alongside Melissa Houston, and you had one of the greatest summers all of us have heard since of K-1 Girls history, when in the most difficult time of your life, you still stepped up and took the initiative to be an outstanding camp director. We admire that about you. Mm. Well, thank you, Joe. I can tell you, um, I didn't want to at first. I wanted to take myself out of the game. Um, I remember standing in my living room. I had been home for about two weeks after, you know, everything had happened and funeral and everything for my brother. And I was crying and my dad looked at me and he just asked me, do you trust me? And I said, yes, with tears streaming down my face. And he said, I want you to get in your car and go back to camp. 
because your mission isn't over. Like your job isn't done. Like God still got something for you to do. So I just need you to get back in your car and go back to camp. And, um, you know, I think for anybody, Joe, who's finding themselves maybe just in a tough season of life and like me, they want to take themselves out of the game. Just remember that God goes with you as a believer. And when you feel like you have nothing to initiate with, you have no personal strength or no spiritual strength, emotional, whatever it is, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so it's only by, you know, God's grace and his power that I even existed that summer in 2017. And so, you know, I think just every day it was a reminder when I woke up of, okay, I, I don't really feel like I've got much to give, but God's going with me today. And I just want to show up and be faithful in the moments that he presents me with. So God is able to to work through our brokenness and our pain. And so um, don't take yourselves out of the game, even when you want to, because God's got good stuff, um, even in the, the the messiest and hardest of situations. Mm, what a note to end on. I want to point out two episodes from our past. Number one, episode seven, Beth Ann and Care Williams did one of the most moving episodes we've ever produced called Mourning the Loss of a Loved One. If And if any of you are in that situation, I just can't even recommend it highly enough. Um, really could be a blessing to you as you're you're hurting and trying to get through that that difficult time and then secondly uh, episode six happened happens to be we had Greg Tonegal on and he talks about creating an I'm third culture and so if that's something that triggered you as you listened um, I highly recommend it and you can kind of get the inside scoop of how he went about creating that culture in his program. That said, we just want to thank you guys for spending time with us. Uh, we know that your time is valuable and there's lots of options out there. And we just pray that this conversation was served to fuel your I'm third approach to leadership. With that, we'd love to pray for you. Father God, we come to you and just thank you for the example of Jesus and how if we look at him intently enough, he'll show us how to lead. Pray God for all of our listeners out there, that they would be inspired and that they would know, I'm a leader. If you choose to follow Jesus, that means you're set apart and you're going to have to be a trailblazer and an initiator. And I just pray, God, that they would take up that mantle today and that perhaps you would line out some God moments that they could be a part of just a life-changing moment for somebody else today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacook, you can visit canacook.com.